What is up, folks? Welcome back to another episode of Fourth and Infinity. We are here to recap week eight of the NFL season, and more importantly, I think in this particular episode, the aftermath of week eight of the NFL season. It has uh, been a week. You know that 30 Rock meme where they're like, what a week, huh? And then he says it's Tuesday or it's Wednesday, whatever the day is. That's how we're feeling this week, folks. It's been an absolute jam-packed couple days since week eight ended, but we are going to get into everything that happened at the week eight itself and everything that happened after the fact. I am Nick. I am your host. I am the Chiefs fan of the group. We'll get to my woes here in just a minute. Uh, I will also introduce my co-host first off, the Lions fan of the group. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing great. See, I thought I was having the best week out of all of us mm. uh, until about like 1 a.m. my time last night. Yeah, until uh, until last night when you and until I were some, some news dropped. Yeah. And I woke up. I'm like, oh, well, oh. I'm no longer having the best week of our group. Uh, <laughs> and we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. The Niners fan of our group, Janet, are you the one having a good week? Um, it's, yeah. uh, it's the bye week. Therefore, we cannot lose a fourth mm-hmm. straight game. There you go. Yep. There's got to be one last person here who's having a good week. Arcadio, you're over there. Are you having a good week? I don't know, Nick. You know, I just don't know how much more of this Josh McDaniels experience I can take. You know, it's uh, it's looking yeah. pl- pretty bleak. Pretty bleak, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into all the, all the bleakness here shortly. It's been nothing but bad news for you guys all week, but we'll get to that in due time. As we always do, we will start with first down, our game recaps, starting with our teams. Let's get through the bad stuff first. Uh, first up here on the docket, Bengals 31, 49ers 17. JNF, take it away, buddy. Uh, look, this was a game that you could have marked at the beginning of the season and said, Joe Burrow, one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC, the 49ers will, you know, go through their ups and downs. But at this point in the season, they're probably not strong enough to beat that team. And Joe Burrow went out there and diced them up. Um, but I think it's uh, emblematic of like, a, you know, some pretty big, uh flaws first of all the defense the defense has been getting has like really gotten shredded for three weeks in a row they're not able to create pass rush even with nick bosa one of the best uh pass rushers in the league uh their cornerbacks keep getting exposed because their defensive passing defensive scheme relies on getting a good pass rush if you can't really protect the pass then you really probably can't protect the run either because the pass game will set up the run game and vice versa and so they just kind of got torn up. Uh, they had a chance. They had a couple chances in this game. Purdy made some really bad throws uh, and some really poor decisions. Um, he threw two picks in this game, and you know that kind of sealed it, uh, especially because the picks were in the red zone. Well, one of the picks was in the red zone. The other one was off a pretty big defensive stop. And so, uh, you know, you you hope to uh, see better performances from them. They only got to put up seventeen points. Uh, and they had red zone turnovers. And I mean, I think like it's a recipe for disaster. The bye week couldn't get here fast enough. But in terms of games on the schedule where you're like, hey, that's a tough one. You you probably go into that one. You probably lose. The Bengals are a team, especially right now with Joe Burrow with a health, healthy calf. That's when you go in and you say like, you know, you, you probably won't win this one. You, you got to play your A-plus game. And they just simply didn't do that. And so the bye week is here. Uh, and... Uh, I think we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode, but um, a lot of our teams addressed some woes that we were facing, uh, and, and the 49ers did address some of the woes on, on Tuesday, trade trade deadline Tuesday. So I think you that one you take down and you say, look, uh, that's the uh, the culmination of what has been a bad few weeks, and, and you, you take that in with everything else, and you hopefully go into the bye week trying to make some major adjustments and really try to get things together, but... 
Shanahan has a bad record in October. He's never won a game when he's been down more than eight points in the fourth quarter. Like, uh, there's kind of some some big uh, scary things sort of in there's some big scary writing on the wall in terms of like where this could go. But um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that uh, that fourth quarter stat you just mentioned with Shanahan, it's like zero and thirty six now, I believe, since he took over as a head coach. Something like that, something crazy like that. It's just kind of wild to think about how how not built that team is for actually coming from behind in any way, shape, or form. They have to be in command of the game, or they're not winning the game. It's kind of wild to see how that actually has unfolded for them. Um, yeah, like you said uh, as well, going into the season, you look at a Bengals game on anyone's schedule, and you're like, oh, that's going to be a tough matchup. At, at the outset of the season, at the very start, I could definitely see that for the Niners, but it's wild how even a week or two ago, I would have said, oh, Niners should actually win this one pretty easily without this season going for both teams. Those momentum switches have happened very quickly for both teams right now, and like you said, the bye week could not have come uh, at a better time for the Niners right now because they're skidding and they need a week to readjust themselves. But I do think it's interesting. You mentioned how the Niners' defense was kind of faulty. Um, so looking at the stats here for the yardage, they gave up 400 yards to the Bengals. Niners' offense outgained them. They gained 460 yards. The big problem was, like you mentioned, the turnovers. All in the second half, two picks and a fumble by Purdy. That's pretty much what killed them here because otherwise they were keeping pace with the Bengals in terms of how they were moving the ball. But it was it just... Uh, at a terrible time was when all the turnovers happened. And you can't, as uh, my team learned, you can't make that many mistakes in this case, especially against a good team and expect to come out on top. And that's what happened here. Yeah. That, that first pick in the red zone, that's the one I think that that's really the, the worst of them. I, I know that the second pick also like obviously horrible, like, uh, you know, first it's a first play back and you're throwing another pick basically through picks two through two picks on two consecutive plays. But I think it's that first one where you're in the red zone, you're eight yards away. He's trying to make something happen. You have like a ton of talent. You can get to the end zone on the next three plays. Like it's first down, just chuck the ball away. Just, hell, take a sack. Even if you took a sack there and we only got three points out of that, wouldn't be the end of the world. I think you can lament all the pretty woes, but it's it's like if your defense isn't going to come out there and, and play good football, like you, it's like, it doesn't make as much of a difference. And I think also like, the magnifying glass is on Purdy, but it's really uh, an offense that's missing a it's starting star left tackle and it's starting re- wide receiver. Like you're down to pretty big components of an offense and most offenses do not do well when you're missing that kind of talent. So that gets cleaned up as soon as those guys get healthy. And I think that the team kind of can right the ship, even though they have three losses on the season and the Seahawks only have two. I was gonna, just going to mention uh, last week I had mentioned that the Bengals were on a bye, so they had a week to an extra week to get healthy and all that. And Joe Burrow looked the healthiest that he's looked all season. Um, Pretty easily, yeah. his his calf. Mm-hmm. He, he was moving around very well. He got like forty three rushing yards, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, he looks like the Joe Burrow that we all expected him to be heading into the season. And uh, it was too much for the Forty ers who are on a pretty cold streak right now. So uh, they got to figure some stuff out of their own during their own bye. Gonna, that's basically what I was going to bring up is Burrow just just looking great because really what he couldn't do um, and what really hurt their offense earlier, it's not like he's that big of a runner, but just moving around in the pocket, like he was just evading the pass rush and moving into spots and, and being able to find open guys that way just from extending it and just getting around the pass rush a bit. And he just couldn't do that earlier in the year. So um, it's good to see him, you know, get healthy. Sorry for Jane that it happened to, you know, be against his team. But like that's a that's a player that we like to see perform well just for the NFL in general. We? We. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, last thing I was going to mention on the Bengals side of things. This is probably, I would have to check the stats to be for sure, but I'm pretty sure this is like the first complete Bengals performance of the season on offense where all their main players on offense actually had a good performance. T. Higgins especially has been struggling all year. He's been banged up quite a bit as well, but Higgins, Chase, Mixon, and Burrow all having really solid games hasn't really happened for them in the same game this year. So when they're all clicking, this team's especially hard to beat, and that's what happened here. And as I mentioned, you know, Niners just can't make that many mistakes in a game like this. And Bengals made him pay for it. Okay, so I think that will do it for Bengals 49ers. Now we're going to move on to uh, some more pain, unfortunately. This was Chiefs in Denver to play the Broncos on Sunday afternoon. So, uh, oh man, where, where do I want to begin here? You've already blocked it from your mind, I see. <laughs> for real. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where all the, where the bad vibes began. Uh, when the Chiefs kicked a 23-yard field goal uh, in the first quarter, I was like, oh, it's going to be that kind of game. Gave up a touchdown on the Broncos' first drive, which is like, you know, whatever. Like, they had a, they had a good start to the game. Like, you can script a, a first drive pretty well and come out and gain some momentum, especially because these two teams just played two weeks ago. And, you know, the Chiefs are, as as Chiefs fans who were butthurt have mentioned, like, this was the Broncos' Super Bowl, like, trying to, <laughs> trying to you know, cope with the loss and everything like that but it really was for them i think especially after they got beat a couple weeks ago but chiefs responding by kicking a field goal when they could have very easily gone forward on fourth and fourth and goal and pinned them deep if they didn't get the conversion like that's kind of what i was like yeah i don't know about the, about this one and from there it was just turnovers like the chiefs had five total turnovers in this game including one down the stretch in a pretty key moment um yeah a, a bad performance from mahomes all in all i mean he had uh, two interceptions he lost a fumble uh, Valdez Scantling also lost a fumble on uh, on a catch he made when immediately after he made his football move, he just got rocked and the ball went flying. McCall Hardman also muffed a punt in a pretty critical moment. Like the Broncos are not a good team, and I will stand by the fact that they did not perform well in this game. They were just given too many opportunities to pass up, and the Chiefs were just not converting the opportunities when they had them. And that's pretty much how it happened here. They kicked three field goals I mean, in this game. They could only muster up nine points. Yeah. I feel like uh, for a team that people are, I don't know, people aren't fully committed on the Chiefs yet, and and I think that's more overlooking them because people just don't want to deal with having to say the Chiefs are the best team for the seventh straight year or whatever. I don't know. It's a, it's interesting to see that they dropped this game. This is a very typical Chiefs loss, though. Uh, it just happened to be against a, de- a division opponent. Um, this is like, I think that's Mahomes' first division loss on the road, and it's like his first uh like his first loss to to Denver and Denver's mm-hmm. first win against the Chiefs in like a bajillion years and, 8 years yeah you know so I, there's all those kind of streaks which are fun to to look at but i i mm-hmm. think it all comes down to like the Chiefs offense has not been clicking on all cylinders and one would hope that they would get better but i uh with acquiring more talent but uh i think the quote from Andy Reid is that they have all the wide receiving talent they need on their roster <laughs> I don't know if I buy that from him, but Mahomes can elevate players. So, yeah, he can to a degree. Uh, some of these guys do have to step up on their own. The inf- most infuriating play of this game was when uh, Mahomes in the fourth quarter, when they were down two possessions, dropped an absolute dime to Sky Moore in the end zone, and he just let it go right through his hands, and that was a turnover on downs. Uh, that that was the one that killed me, and that was pretty much what sealed the game for Denver because there are probably five or six minutes left in that game. You get down to it would would have been a five point game I think at that point in time I think it was 21 to uh, six at that point or 21 to nine at that point I should say um so Chiefs were definitely still in it even that late and just that drop by Sky Moore was what totally ruined their chances but yeah like I was saying Broncos didn't perform that great their three touchdown drives they had to go 39 yards 
50 yards and 10 yards. Like they didn't have to go to length of the field to score their touchdowns and they scored 24 points in total. So you take up the drives when they had a really short field and the Chiefs defense held them in check. Yeah, Chiefs uh, sacked Russell Wilson six times in this game. So their pass rush was working. Their defense was doing their part. They were keeping the team in the game as the offense kept turning the ball over. And when the offense wasn't turning the ball over, they were still moving it okay. But yeah, just offense not performing at a couple, just obviously several bad turnovers. And Kelsey kind of disappeared once we got to the second half, as I think he often does when he has a really big first half. I don't know if that's totally on him. I imagine the halftime adjustment is to just adjust to whatever Kelsey is doing in a lot of cases for these teams. So it is what it is. Mahomes has been off his game to a degree this season. I don't think he trusts his receivers. This is the same stuff we discuss week in and week out, and it bit us in the ass more than it usually does here. It's annoying to lose to a team that's as bad as Denver is, but like you said, this is a very typical Chiefs loss. They have one of these losses every year, and I also think to a degree it's just a thing that happens in football. Any given Sunday is a thing that people say, but it really is true. You can lose to any team no matter how bad they are in any given week, just depending on how the chips fall, and that's what happened here. I'm not hitting the panic button on this team, as I've said before, but it's an infuriating loss still for sure. Yeah, and one thing we haven't brought brought up yet is that Mahomes was sick going into this game. Mm-hmm. Right. And like I, I watched some like just kind of it happened to be on. I was something I was watching like a breakdown on film for all 22 for a few games. And they brought up this game um, and showed quite a few plays where um, Mahomes just wasn't throwing the ball, even when like the timing was working and the guys were open, you know, with with the routes and everything. And he just wasn't l- letting go of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is. Like he was just off his game because he was sick or just was having a bad game in general. Or like you said, he just doesn't trust his receivers and was waiting for a particular look that he wanted, like, you know, just looking at Kelsey or whatever. But he would be looking at a guy that it would it would have been open and he would just go away from it in yeah. this game. So he was probably just off for whatever, you know, whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, this game was just ugly overall Two less than 300 yards for both teams, mm-hmm. uh, I think. The Chiefs outgained him by like 20 or 30 yards, but it was like 270 to 240. Mm-hmm. Um, so not much offense, a lot of turnovers, just just an ugly game. Yeah, I mean, all the jokes about Michael Jordan's flu game, you know, whether he had the flu or not is, is up for debate. But that's, I think, when I when I heard that news over the weekend, I'm like, oh, this is Mahomes' chance. He's going to have like a defining career moment here, have the biggest game of his life. And it was pretty much the opposite of that. This is one of the worst games of his career. Like having the flu is not fun. I have had the flu. Having the flu when it's cold in Denver and the the, uh, the elevations getting to you, I imagine it really fucking sucks. I'm not blaming the loss on that by any stretch, but it was not fun for him, and it just compounded what was a shitty day for the Chiefs. Yeah, when I was hearing the reports on the weather before the game too, like along with the the whole Mahomes flu thing, I, I was just getting bad vibes. I, I I didn't mention it in the the chat, so I don't. <laughs> you should have. I, I can't prove it. I can't prove it, but. <laughs> I, I want it to be like, wow, it, the Broncos streak is finally going to end, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, th- there it went. So Yeah, there it went. I mean, sh- shitty week for the Chiefs. They're uh, going into their toughest stretch of the season here in the, in the second half of the year. Well, they have four tough games the rest of the season. The rest of them are all very winnable. And every game that they have is very winnable because of who they are. But these next two games are the big test for them. They go to Germany. I think they're flying to Germany tomorrow. The Dolphins are already there as we speak. Um, but they're flying in Germany to play the Dolphins on Sunday morning. Then they have the Eagles the week after on Monday Night Football. So these next two games are going to show mm-hmm. kind of how how for real this Chiefs team actually is. I think they'll be fine, as I've been saying all year. But especially when you're watching a team week in and week out, you see all their flaws and it's and it's frustrating. So bad week, but what do you got to do? Life goes on. 
So moving on to the last game of our teams, because two of our teams played each other, we had the Lions and Ford Field hosting the Raiders. So I don't know which of you guys wants to take point here, but go ahead. Going into this, uh, I had a pretty good feeling about it. Monday night, we haven't had a Monday night game in I think it was five years. Um, you know, coming off a pretty pretty bad loss, I thought it would be a get-right game and the crowd would be really into it and the Raiders wouldn't have much of a chance. And that kind of should have been the case, but we, we shot ourselves in the foot a few times to keep this game a lot closer than it should have been. Um, you know, it started off, we our first three scoring drives, we had to kick field goals. Uh, we got in the red zone. I, I think we really miss... Like, as great of a game as as Gibbs had, and he had the best game of his career so far with 153, I think, rushing yards and, and close to 40 receiving yards and a touchdown, uh, rushing touchdown. But even with, with him doing that, we missed Montgomery in the red zone where he could just kind of pound it in and get us, get it uh, either to the goal line or close to it and just give us some easier third down plays there. Yeah, this was um, pretty dominant as far as yards and time of possession. Like I said, we turned the ball over a few times with one was a, a very bizarre fumble that Max Crosby just kind of ripped it out of Craig Reynolds' hands when it appeared he was down. They never blew the whistle, but so that was just kind of a weird turnover. And then also another fumble by a different Reynolds, Josh Reynolds. Uh, but other than those, and then a uh, pick six by Goff where he was trying to throw it away. Um, he kind of said that later on. He was like, he was like, yeah, it just didn't get out of bounds. He meant to throw it basically a lot higher and it just didn't. Um, so that was a really bad one, but other than that offense was great. We had over 500 yards, uh, and Gibbs alone had more yards than the Raiders. So, uh, <laughs> it was a lot, like I said, it, it we, we ended up winning by 12, uh, 26, 14, but this game should have been probably like, you know, 40, 42 to seven or something, you know, based on how the offenses were performing. You can touch on this if you want, but Jimmy just looked bad. He could not hit anyone who was even close to open and was just holding on to the ball way too long. Offense never clicked other than that one drive at the in the first half where you basically just ran the ball down our throats for one drive, and then you couldn't move the ball after that again. Good uh, comeback win for the Lions. I'm happy about it. It was kind of a flu game for Amon Ra. Um, he was sick going into it, and he was questionable. Ended up playing, and he had over 100 yards. Just had a really, uh, really solid game. Yeah, I was happy about it. I never really felt super threatened because of how we were playing, but I was getting... Just that little like, okay, we need to pull away. Like we need to actually pull away. And we finally did near the end. So it was, it was a good game, but we got to clean some stuff up and hopefully we get healthy going into the bye now. Uh, we have a bye and then we're playing the Chargers and we should be getting our offensive line healthier. We like most of our line was out, including our starting center uh, in this game, um, as well as Montgomery should be coming back. Um, so Yeah, so what's Montgomery's role now that Gibbs has had his breakout game and they finally were... I feel like he's he's cementing his role as a RB1. I think Montgomery is still going to kind of be the bell cow as far as like the tough yardage, but we're going to mix Gibbs in more, probably more often for like those midfield carries. And then also we're going to just use him more in the passing game, but it's probably going to be a little bit more of an even split. But as far as like the flow of the offense, I think Montgomery is going to get a lot of like those first down, second down runs to try to get us just a, a an easier third down kind of deal. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have drives where it's just like, okay, this is a Gibbs drive or something like that. And we'll, we'll mix it in, but it's going to be a little bit more of an even split, but Montgomery's still going to get a lot of carries. I think as long as he's healthy. I agree. Anything you want to touch on? I kind of just rambled through a bit of the game because to be honest, it, it never, like I said, it, it never, I, I never got nervous even with us making mistakes and the Raiders kind of keeping it close, but 
the game felt so one-sided for the most part. I mean, I can bring up the stats, but it was like, yeah, 486 yards to 157 total. And time of, time of possession was 40 to 20, basically. So it, it was just like, we just kind of shot ourselves in the foot a few times. But other than that, it was kind of just a, a, a Lions dominant overall. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. So um, I think this wasn't the dominant Lions performance that Bobby seems to be making it out to be. Um, the Raiders were getting stops on defense. They they looked pretty good, especially in the first half. I, I think if the Raiders get any type of t- competent quarterback play in this game, they have a real good chance to win. But the thing is that they didn't get that at all, like not even remotely close. At and all. the so the the Raiders' offensive ineptitude was so putrid that the the game seemed a lot more out of reach than it actually was because there was a lot of opportunities that the Raiders could have capitalized and easily made this a one score game. And they just couldn't because Jimmy G just was frantic. He he's, he's a broken player. He just, he, he can't, he, he can't play quarterback anymore. I, that, it's, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what I was meaning. Like it was just because of watching the game that I didn't feel the nerves because I was like, Jimmy is playing terribly. I wasn't threatened by your offense. Basically there was the one drive and then, um, I was like, okay, well, if they keep running the ball like that, then it could get close. And then it just didn't happen the rest of the game. But that's the reason it never felt great. Like it never felt like you were seriously going to make a comeback was because Jimmy looked so bad, uh, to be honest. Yeah. It, w- it wasn't so much that the lions were like so dominant. It was just that the Raiders were so terrible on offense. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's simply what it came down to. Like, yeah, they, they had so many chances to get back into this game and just Jimmy just couldn't deliver. You know, uh, I mentioned in in our chat that, like, after the game, that this Raiders team is, like, one of the most difficult to watch, like, one of the most unwatchable teams that I've seen in quite a long time, which says a lot because in my (laughs) 20-plus years seriously watching Raiders football, I've seen some pretty unwatchable teams with the likes of Aaron Brooks, Kerry Collins, Jamarcus Russell, Charlie Fry. Things were pretty bleak after this game, and... If we had been recording on our normal podcast day, mm-hmm. I I think that that would be the extent of what I what of my remarks on the whole topic, and it'd be it'd be a pretty bleak pod. But a little behind the curtain here, but um, we normally record on Tuesdays. Tuesday this year happened to fall on Halloween, so we decided to push back our recording day by a day. Thank God we did. It turned out that. In the in the wee hours of the morning on the east coast and the the late the lateness of the hour on the west coast on Halloween, um, Mark Davis decided to blow it all up, and he not only fired Josh McDaniels but he fired the GM Dave Ziegler, and then we heard earlier this morning he also fired offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi, and the Raiders are. Starting from square one, it seems. And I would presume that he also benched Jimmy Garoppolo because I doubt the coach made that decision. 100% that had a lot to factor in as well. Uh, Garoppolo is now on the bench and Aiden O'Connell is getting is going to be starting for the foreseeable future. The Raiders promoted linebackers coach Antonio Pierce, who was a linebacker for the Giants when they won um the super bowl against the patriots in 2007 the interim gm is champ kelly the interim offensive coordinator is 
Bo Hardegree, who was the quarterback's coach before this all happened. And I feel like I, I feel much more willing to watch the rest of the season now that Josh McDaniels is finally out because I was not in the best of, like I mentioned, I was not in the best of spirits following that Monday night game. And I was really dreading having to watch like any more of this because it just, it clearly wasn't working. The Raiders were uh, up until this point, they are 31st in yards per game, 30th in points per game and 30th in third down percentage. And when your head coach is this supposed offensive guru, you would expect all those to not be in the bottom three of the league, but they were. And it just seems like ever since Josh McDaniels took over, every facet of their offense has just gotten gradually worse and worse and worse. And we've seen the pinnacle of it, especially on this Monday night game where they only mustered seven points on offense. I was saying after the game to my dad, to my coworker, to my boss, that fire fire the coach, bench the quarterback because none of it's working. And not even expecting that anything would happen remotely this this quickly. But I gotta give credit to Mark Davis because he recognized that this is this was just an untenable situation. I'll I'll also mention my fandom with the Oakland A's uh, for my whole life, the the A's famously do not pay their players or pay their coaches or whatever. They they just they put a a subpar product on the field solely in order to earn money, and they don't really care about winning. And so for that reason, I finally decided to cut ties with the A's over this past season after they decided to move to Vegas, you know, to chase the money. The reason why I still haven't abandoned the Raiders is because they at least have ownership that can recognize what's not working and is willing to rectify the issues no matter what the cost. And yeah, they're at times Mark Davis's decision-making has been misguided. Like it hasn't worked obviously, but he's, he at least tries for this alone is why I am op- still optimistic for the future, even though none of it has worked as of late. And yeah, I'm just, I, I'm in such a better place with this team now than I was 24 hours ago. And I'm just excited to see what the future has in store. Anyway. Yeah. We've been calling for it from, I want to say that before the season started, when we were talking about the outlook for this team uh, and it's, I think it's interesting for, specifically from a 49ers fan perspective because Jimmy Garoppolo is like one of the biggest reasons why this all isn't working. Uh, you know, he got, he's got, he's been injured this season, which was a staple of his tenure in San Francisco was he would get injured all the time. Uh, he also like just hasn't played well at all. And I think that it goes to show that like, if you actually have an offensive minded head coach who's, who's competent at their job, you can scheme around some of Garoppolo's flaws to be more competitive. And yeah, I know they have three wins, but uh, I think anyone would tell you that's a little bit fluky and that's really not due to Garoppolo's play. Like it's, it's mostly or entirely in spite of his play. And um, I think it's, it's interesting to see how far he's fallen from losing the uh, Shanahan scheme and the talent in the, 
you know, that the 49ers had. Uh, and like, we won a lot of games with him. We were very, like, we were quite competitive with him. I think like everyone would agree that we couldn't get over the hump with him, but like, we still made it to the playoffs multiple times and won playoff games. Um, and they were able to disguise him in the, in the team. And then he goes to another team with supposedly an, an offensive minded head coach and it just, it all falls apart. And, uh, I mean, I think this is obviously the right move for the Raiders organization. And uh, we'll see if Josh McDaniels gets another head coaching job again, because I hope not, because he hasn't won outside of the six games where he was cheating. Josh McDaniels (laughs) is the only head coach in history, I believe, to be fired in his second season without being able to finish his second season twice. As as a Lions fan, it it's kind of haunting how similar this tenure was to uh, Matt Patricia, another, you know, New England coordinator coming in uh, to, to be a head coach. Um, granted, this was his, this that was his first attempt at being a head coach, not the second like McDaniels, but, um, you know, came in taking over a team that was hovering around that 500 and just sneaking into the playoffs type thing. And they're like, okay, this isn't good enough. Um, we got to take the next step. They bring in a Patriots guy who basically replaces, you know, brings in about as many Patriots uh, players and personnel as he can, um, tries to change the entire culture, and then is awful at their own side of the ball. So the offense was terrible for you. Our defense was like worst in the league with Patricia, and he's supposed to be the defensive guru. Um, And yeah, just the culture didn't work. The players revolted. Granted, uh, you fired uh, McDaniels like about a season um, before we fired uh, Patricia, he was fired in, in his third year, but still like it pretty much was as soon as he was hired. I'm like, I've seen this story before and it went exactly like <laughs> kind of thought it would. It's criminal what that man did to Josh Jacobs and uh, Devonte Adams so far in this season, yeah. considering how well those two players did under that same coach last year. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not good, but he's not that drastic of a drop-off from Derek Carr to explain how bad those two have been this season. I mean, not bad, but Jacobs has been borderline, and Adams has just not not gotten targets quite a bit this year, and he's clearly frustrated. I imagine he might be one of the happiest people in Las Vegas right now about this whole deal. But obviously they're a divisional rival, but I have never really hated, hated the Raiders, and just seeing, seeing how unwatchable, like you said, that they were this season was just difficult to see unfold. Not just... Like, not just because you're my friend, but also because I enjoy watching good football, and I haven't seen nearly enough good football, especially on primetime around the league this year, but all these Raiders games have been pitiful to watch. Like, you mentioned not getting over the hump, obviously, of 20 points on offense this entire season. It's just brutal, and I'm glad that whether this, whether the rest of the season ends up being good for them or not is almost irrelevant because they just cut the toxicity out of this team, is what it feels like. They're giving this coaching staff, like, just a shot in the arm. Like, this season, they're pretty much taking a punt on it at this point, but that's for the best. Like this is the best long-term thing that they could do for this team. And you evaluate after the season and then you go from there, but just a whole cloud feels like it's been lifted over this team. And as someone who wants to see good football, I'm happy about that. Yeah, I'll just mention a little bit more of the Lions game, but like Jimmy had an opportunity to hit DeVonte Adams for a long touchdown twice. Multiple one, actually. One yeah. for 98 yards and one for like 60 yards. The 60-yarder, I I think the safety had a pretty good angle, so I don't know if he would have actually scored the mm-hmm. touchdown. But after that drive, that particular drive with the the missed 60-yarder, you could see Devontae Adams go to the sideline and slam his helmet down in frustration. And that, yep. to me, kind of felt like the, the straw that broke the camel's back because Mark Davis has a pretty close relationship with his players, and he 
like regularly goes out to dinner with them and all that. And I, from what I understand, he's over the past several weeks, he's been like asking like the, the big team leaders like Adams and Crosby, like how their feelings on how things are going in the locker room and all that. And I feel like Adams like slamming his helmet down in frustration was just finally what Mark Davis needed to see in order to be like, okay, I'm picking the, I'm choosing the players in this, in this battle here. And I'm just, I'm putting them in the best position that they can in order to salvage like this season, which, you know, they, they probably won't, you know, like, I, I don't think that Mark Davis is making this decision in order to tank. I, I think he genuinely thinks that this will help win them games. And while I don't think that they're going to be a playoff team or anything like that, but I do think that helping them be free of the whole, like the weight, the, the Patriot weight, I should say is, mm-hmm. is really going to get like you, like you were kind of saying, giving them a shot in the arm. One other thing about the like benching Jimmy, other than just giving the young guy a chance, I think a lot of it is also kind of what happened with Matt Ryan last year, where you just don't want that injury guaranteed money to to get in if if they um like to kick in if they want to cut him in the off season. Like if they just want to part ways, they're just like, okay, well you're not getting injured now, and kind of also like what what happened with Derek Carr uh, at the end of the year last year too. Yeah, I don't, I think Aiden O'Connell is going to get his chance to see if he's the guy or not going forward. And if they're in, if they lose it, and if, if he's not the guy and they lose most of their games, they're going to have a pretty good shot to get someone in there to replace him anyways. Yeah, exactly. It's like nothing really to lose at this point. Right. Cause if he's not the guy, then you're no worse off than you were bef- with Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. And you get uh, a higher draft pick, but if you find out that maybe he could potentially be the guy, and you win some games, then you don't have to do a full rebuild, and you just add pieces around him to see if he he can lead you like into the playoffs next year. So yeah, and as we were talking about like before the season started, the best case scenario for this version of the team was like seven and ten, and Jimmy is okay. That's like what the best case scenario that this version of the team was gonna have. Like they weren't gonna do anything anyway, and having the chance to just give other people a shot, and also if they're bad, you can at least have better excuses for them being outright terrible. Like, I just think this is the best case scenario for them at this point in the season. Just the right time to blow it up. I mean, the right time would have been to never go down this path in the first place, but obviously it's too late for that. So, yeah, I mean, this is good news for the Raiders. I'm actually kind of excited to see what happens with them. I don't think we get another Rich Passaccia season necessarily with how drastic that turnaround was for them in 2021. But one more thing I'll say is like their schedule, like the rest of the way is like, it's not grueling, but um. They would definitely have to win some games that they're expected to lose, and they would have to probably right. win all the games that are quote unquote winnable. So yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, it's not going to be another Rich Passaccia season, but yeah, you never know. But uh, the evil has been has been vanquished. Our long national nightmare is over. So happy times in Raiders land, at least for now. That was in uh, a deadline day that had some notable trades happen. That was the biggest story that happened at the very very end of the day. So uh, happy for the Raiders there. Moving on to other stuff that happened in the league. So Thursday night football, we had the Bills hosting the Buccaneers. Bills 24, Bucks 18. That score is a little bit misleading. The Bills kind of had this game out of reach. I think there was a late score by the Bucks in that game. Yeah, the I think the the late touchdown was they finally got um Oh, they got Evans. They finally ball. got Evans. A very fluky yeah, touchdown but, to Evans. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. which granted, like like you said, look, there's not a ton to say about this game. The Bills pretty much had the game in hand and in control. They didn't completely you know, their offense wasn't completely clicking, but they still 
you know, it, it didn't seem like Tampa was going to be able to get anything going. They got that deep kind of touchdown to Evans. And there was actually the last Hail Mary by Baker was actually a really good throw. Um, and just <laughs> the last, yeah. endlessly like right, right near Godwin, Godwin just ignored it. Yeah. Um, it was a Hail people... Mary that could have been caught. Uh, yeah. and no one looked for the football. Like I, I it was, it was one of the strangest it was like, oh, I guess I guess we have to make this play because this is what you do at this point in the football game. Oh, there's <laughs> the ball. Oh, I I guess we're going home now. Like yeah. it was it was incredible how and and to be fair, it was arguably there was a lot of penalties on that play, but nobody calls there flags on the Hail are. Mary. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, that was a, that was a very wonky game. Um I think it's it's interesting though cuz I think Josh Allen's starting to look good. Their running game's starting to come along. They just picked off another, picked up another piece for their run game, which I don't know how impactful that will be. But I feel like the Bills and the and the Bengals are coming alive at at sort of the right time, which is like just this the cusp of the season where if you want to make a deep run, this is when you got to start putting together some like great wins against bad teams. And and not to say that the Bucks are a bad team, but uh, it was a good it was a good game by by the Bills. Yeah, and just to bring back that Hail Mary really quick again, because everyone was kind of ripping on on Godwin, and I saw quite a few uh, NFL guys kind of break it down and say, well, there's on those Hail Mary plays, there's always guys that's roll. They're the jump men, and then there's the essentially the rebound or tip guys, and his role was <laughs> essentially to face that direction in case the ball got tipped back down to him. Mm-hmm. So, like that's why he was facing that direction, but he was also getting held before that too. So. You know, sure. it's not like he was completely ignoring it, but it looked so weird just having the ball fall harmlessly without being touched. I don't think I've ever seen a Hail Mary land in the end zone, not yeah. out of bounds and not touched by a player. Yeah, it just hit the ground and died. Yeah, the the big thing for me that I'd forgotten this until I looked back here at the play by play, a 17 play, 92 yards, seven and a half minute touchdown drive uh, by the Bucks to get, to get that Mike Evans touchdown. Uh, this was pretty much all the Bills keeping the minute. I think the Bills committed three yeah. penalties on fourth down this drive. Yeah, they were they like, were very much. Aided that's by the shit you got to clean up. Yeah, that's that's if you're on the if you're the Bills, that's exactly what you have to clean up. They kept a Bucks team that kept turning it over on downs. They kept them in the game that way, and it almost cost them because they obviously had that chance to win the game with that Hail Mary on the last play. Um, and a lot of that you can attribute to the, the mistakes made by the Bills defense here because um, they pretty much single-handedly kept Tampa in the game late and they gave them opportunities. So this game, other than that, did go pretty much as expected. The Bucks aren't a terrible team like Jane have said, but the Bills are clearly a cut above and they kept them out of reach for most of the game. An admirable fight. Baker had a decent game, but yeah, this this game pretty much went how we expected it to. Speaking of a game that went exactly how we expected it to, uh, <laughs> Jets, Jets 13, Giants 10. Uh, and that was an overtime field goal that got us here. So the Giants have had some quarterback woes this season, as we've discussed. Daniel Jones, they paid $40 million to. That's that's sad if you're a Giants fan in and of itself. Uh, he got hurt. Tyrod Taylor's come in. He's played admirably, but he's not going to you know turn your season around or anything. Tyrod Taylor got hurt in this game, and in came Tommy DeVito in for the Giants. And I'm just going to go down the, uh, the the passing stats here for the Giants. But before, before you do that, so, before you do that... Um... I wanted to mention a little bit of fantasy. So uh, in in my mm-hmm. other league, I had um, a choice between three tight ends. I don't normally roster three tight ends, but I had just picked up uh, Dalton Kincaid um, because, you know, the injury to Dawson Knox, and it seemed like a good long-term mm-hmm. ad. And um, so I had a choice between Dalton Kincaid, who 
scored 17 and a half points on that Thursday night game. Cole Komet, who had almost 18 points on from that Sunday oh, no. night game. I know where this is going. And my third choice, who had over half of his team's passing yards. Oh, yes. I know where this is going. Yep. And you would it, normally hearing that you'd think, oh, I, I made the right choice, right? Because he had over his half teams, half his team's passing yards. That choice was Darren Waller, who caught one pass for four yards and went out of the game. On the night, or I guess mm-hmm. on the day, the Giants completed six passes. They had negative nine total passing yards in this game. Yeah, their top receiver was Darren Waller with one catch for four yards. Matt Breida also had one catch for four yards. Uh, that was the story of this game. Uh, the silver lining, Saquon had 128 yards. He also had 36, 36 carries, carries. In this game. Yeah, because they couldn't do anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly, they couldn't throw the ball. There was a word that they had for DeVito. What was the word? Like the handoff specialist? Was that how they described him <laughs> when they put know. him in the game? I believe I heard those words used by commentary, or maybe it was by Scott Hansen. Um, that seems like exactly what he was in this game. Somehow, this game went to overtime, probably because the Zach Wilson Jets offense is still not that great, even though their defense is great. Well, they were behind games. for most of the game. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they had to make a kind of a miraculous last uh, drive to even put it to overtime. <laughs> like, and they were behind most of the second half, it looks like. They were ahead 7-3 for most of the first half, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got that. They got that field goal late. They finally had a big deep pass uh, to Garrett Wilson, which got them into field goal range, and then they got the field goal in overtime to win the game thirteen ten. So, Jets have a winning record four and three right now. They're doing better at this point in the season than I think people would have guessed after Week One. Giants are just hopeless, even with all their starters in, and they're missing a lot of their starters. And there's only so much you were going to get from Tommy DeVito, especially against a defense like that. So, yeah, an, an ugly game in the Meadowlands, but. Just utterly fascinating. That that passing yard stat line is, and the receiving stat line, I'm not going to soon forget that. And the number of punts, yeah. too. Right. Uh, I, number of punts. Thomas Morstead was the was the MVP of this game. Yeah, I was about I to guess. say, they, someone posted a Thomas Morstead, who's the punter for the Jets, uh, his highlight reel. <laughs> yeah. The, there was actually yeah. some really good punts. Like, there's no, we're not even... We're not even making this up. Like There the were, like, pun- three of them inside the five. The, the punts were genuinely quite good. Uh, it It is quite comical to see a team that... Um, like both the Jets and the Giants are teams that maybe there were aspirations for after last season's playoff run and, you know, going to the season mm-hmm. with Aaron Rodgers and all this offensive talent. And then, you know, they, they have a barn burning 13 to 10 game. And I don't know if Zach Wilson's going to turn it around because the thing is, there's, there's that much talent. Uh, like there's enough talent to like maybe go places with that team. It's just Zach Wilson's not going to do it. And there's rumors about Aaron yeah, going I was gonna back. Say- so Salah said today, or not today, he said like a couple days ago, um, like we expect Aaron back. He didn't really say when, but he's already like dropping back and taking, you know, some light throws and stuff he did, which is kind yeah. of miraculous to see at this point in an Achilles injury recovery. I mean, if this surgery, you know, shows that it can, uh, you know, increase recovery or, or I guess decrease recovery time by instead of a... 10 to 12 month injury or whatever it would be or 8 to 12 it would be it'd be like three. 3 to 4 or whatever like that would be pretty insane so if he's able to come back even for the playoffs is miraculous but it seems like he's moving like pretty well that maybe he'll be back by the end of the regular season I guess yeah, we'll see so but this yeah. like specific surgery I think it's called the speed bridge surgery uh, for an ACL repair or an Achilles repair uh, this surgery is the I think the same surgery that Cam Akers got and like came back really quickly from 
um and like it's it's up and coming like it's not super widespread and it only works in certain cases like when you have when you have a specific type of terror or whatever but apparently this is the next like the next big step in sports medicine in terms of like faster recovery times with this specific type of surgery so if he comes back one uh i think that that will mean that uh we might see some good football from the Jets, which will be nice just because good football is fun. But moreover, it will be some of the most annoying uh, commentary <laughs> about his injury recovery and all of that nonsense. And I hate it already. And it hasn't even gotten I'm close to there. happening. <laughs> yeah, it, so- it sounds yeah. like he really did his research there. Mm-hmm. He really, really trusts science. <laughs> um, last note about the game. Uh the Jets and Giants combined on third down in this game, four for thirty-four. Oh, thirty-third down in the have. game. Oh, I also, I also wanted to mention. Did, did we talk about how the Giants lost this game? Not, not exactly. Go ahead. So the the Giants had the ball in Jets territory. I think it was at the Jets like nineteen yard line, with a minute thirteen to go, and their clock was running. And, and the Jets, I believe, didn't have any timeouts. Right. The Jets did not have any timeouts. The clocks kept running. Um, they kicked a field goal with what, what was it? Like 20, 28 seconds, 28 yeah, seconds 20, left. Yep. They missed the field goal. They allowed the jets to go down the field for like 40 yards in order to kick the game tying field goal in like 26 seconds. I don't know. There's some day ball regression happening. If you ask me, uh, I don't know. We've seen one too many giants games from prime time. So I've seen him too much, but it feels like he, his control over the team and his, and his, and the way the game is going, and, and a lot of it isn't his fault. His players are just executing terribly. See to Tyrod Taylor doing some shenanigans at the goal line. But it seems like he's slipping away. He, it does not feel like the, the day bowl that we were championing last last season on the pod. No. Because um, we were, like, big on him last season on the pod. And this season, like, just not there at all. He had generally the same team here. Obviously, Jones has been hurt. But he was abysmal this year when he was playing, too. So I, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to the team just isn't talented enough, especially the quarterback. Like like you said, Daniel yeah. Jones, when he was in, wasn't playing well. Their replacements are backups, and they're you know not going to win you games anyways. But uh, they were winning a lot of close games. They were that scrappy, crappy team, and they, they it was kind of like the Vikings. They were winning one-score games last year, but it wasn't a 13-4 and four season. It was a, you know, just get into the playoffs type thing. But, like, they're just mm-hmm. – they – they're not playing well enough to even keep it to a one-score game a lot of the time to where they have that chance at the end. I mean, they did here, but with Daniel Jones was just he's just not good and they overpaid him and they don't have enough talent around yeah. him. So, he needs a team around him. They only really have Saquon. Okay, let's talk about some better football now. Let's talk about the Eagles and Commanders. These games are always fun. I feel like in the in the Jalen Hurts era, the Eagles, the Eagles Commanders games always feel like they're they're kind of shootouts. That Monday night game last year where the Eagles took their first loss of the year, I don't think that was exactly a shootout, but it was still an exciting game. Both their games this year have been that way. Uh, when the when the Sam Howell Commanders uh, with Eric Bieniemy as coordinator get into a shootout, they're kind of fun to watch and cut back to on red zone. And uh, this one, this one was wild. The Commanders were kind of a step ahead for a lot of this game. Eagles got two quick touchdowns in the second half, and then they were just able to keep them without re- uh, keep keep the Commanders out of reach. Um, the story still, I think, for the sixth game in the row now is AJ Brown, uh, who has set the NFL record for most consecutive games with 125 yards or more. He also got in the end zone twice in this game. 
that man is playing out of his mind and he's making up for the fact that the Eagles are not bad otherwise on the offense. Like Hertz is still playing well. He's got to cut back on the turnovers, which he did in this game. But AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts are just carrying that entire team on their backs right now. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the Commanders played them very tight earlier in the season too. I think mm-hmm. it, it was an overtime game, right? Mm-hmm. That the Eagles, so, yeah. the Eagles barely scraped out. But yeah, Commanders have been in some shootouts like you mentioned, and they will be in a lot more considering the moves they made for the trade deadline. Yeah, hmm. I found that actually interesting. <laughs> like there was all the reports uh, going into the game that were basically if Washington loses this game, it's going to be a fire sale. If they win it, there could be some pushback to try to to go for it, at least to get into the playoffs or whatever this year. But it's not like they're playing terribly for the most part. Their offense has no. been pretty good with the enemy. Sam Howell doesn't look bad. You know, he still looks young and, and needs to work on some stuff. But like, again, he had four touchdowns and 300 and almost 400 yards in this game. Like he, he played pretty well. Yep. Um, but it's a new, new ownership, uh, newly. They just want, they just want to, you know, to restart everything at this point. So it's kind of interesting because they're not the team going into into the year, or at least with how just watching the games, you wouldn't expect this to be a team that goes all in to just trade away their their players at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think the tough part if you're the Commanders is that you have to play the Cowboys and the Eagles twice a year, so that's four of your games. A quarter of your season is against like I would argue four of the top five, or you know something like that, or like two of the top five teams in the league. In, in your conference at least and it doesn't help this season that you also have to play like some other really good teams it looks like they're uh, also playing the nfc west so like they have to play the niners and the seahawks still and they still have to play the dolphins as well and the jets so i mean jets aren't good but they have to play the dolphins as well so like you know that there's a lot of good good games left on this season so it might be worth this season taking the nosedive, but it's more of a faster recovery than like a full blown rebuild. Like, I don't think it's going to be a Raiders level rebuild, but I, it's interesting to see what happens with Ron Rivera's job. Um, especially with the enemy on staff. I wonder if there's an internal promotion there. We'll see how it shakes out for them. They have a, they have a couple of easy games, but quite a few tough games left on the schedule. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the mix for one of the better rookies in the draft or, or, uh, another like really good, uh, draft pick and and try to work with with the other assets they've got to rebuild the team and and I think also a lot of it is just like cleaning up their salary cap and allowing them to have space to sign more veteran free agents that are a little bit younger that they can run for longer and build better team chemistry. Yeah, if I had to guess, I think that they kind of clean house after this season, get rid of Rivera, and I don't know about you know internal promotion there as far as the enemy, but. I, th- I think they'll, they're going to want to get their own guys in there. They kind of realized that it's not working, at least how they want it. Um, and they're just going to restart, get their own guys, and try to build um, instead of kind of taking what they had from the previous regime. So that would be my guess because it, it is kind of a bizarre situation to like to completely rebuild at this point with them playing not not terrible. Like They've played some bad games, but they, they have talent. Okay, uh, so moving on from there, we have uh, a game that I didn't think would be as notable as it ended up being. We have the Falcons playing the Titans in this game. So we talked last week about how um, Vrabel said the Titans' plan was to do quarterback by committee with Malik Willis and Will Levis. Uh, that one went by the wayside pretty quickly. Uh, Will Levis uh, got his first start, came into this game, and he kind of blew everybody's socks off in this game. Uh, his stat line, 238 with uh, four touchdowns, a 130.5 uh, rating in this game. 
DeAndre Hopkins looked like DeAndre Hopkins because he had a guy throwing him deep balls again. Hopkins only had four catches. He had 128 and three touchdowns. Um, yeah, so the big play was there for Levis. I saw a big Twitter thread of someone talking about, well, if you actually look at each play, he wasn't that efficient because of all these reasons, but they're making the big plays, more big plays than that offense has had through the air, and I don't even know how long, and you still had a 100-yard game from Derek Henry on top of it. So as far as uh, NFL debuts go, you can't really get much better than this one for Levis. No, he was, I mean, he's got a great arm. We knew that, but he was dropping some dimes uh, into yeah, he was. To Hopkins and on those deep passes. Like it was, he wasn't just chucking it down there. That had some touch on it. Yeah. Um, so he, would you say that would have some mayo on it? What's that? No, no, no mayo. Keep, keep, keep moving. I would not. No. You said it had some touch uh, on I it. I would not say that. People say it had some mustard on it. Yeah. That's a mayo. I mean, no, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. All right. Whatever. But no, no mayo. Don't put it in your coffee. <laughs> it's bad. Um, it's bad. Yeah, it, it's bad. He's wrong on that. But he has a good arm, and he looked pretty good. We'll see if he can continue it um, against Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, they said they were going to be switching off, like you said, with Malik Willis. Um, Willis did not throw a pass. He ran the ball <laughs> twice for four yards and lost a fumble. So he had a great game. On the other side of things, uh, another quarterback controversy question mark. Desmond Ritter in the first half went out. They said because of concussion protocol, uh, Taylor Heineke came in, which people have been clamoring for this entire season, and he played pretty damn well when he was in there, uh, 175 and a touchdown, and they announced he's going to be the starter for this coming week as well, so hopefully the Falcons are moving in the right direction. They made at least one move that they should have made a long time ago, putting Heineke in as a starter. If those are the two options that you're going with, I don't know how they thought Desmond Ritter was the one to go with, but Arthur Smith is a mystery, We've been as we've been seeing more and more every week this season, so... We'll see how things go for the Falcons now, but they're at least trending in the right direction as far as the quarterback position goes. And I'll mention that when um, when Desmond Ritter came out the game and they mentioned it was because of concussion protocol, they also mentioned later on that he cleared the protocol. <laughs> they did. So, so something's happening. It's a little, little shenanigans there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, you kind of mentioned like you, you were wondering why they made that choice in the beginning. I mean, I get it. Ritter's the young guy. He's the draft pick. They want to give him the opportunity. But he just hasn't, I know. you know, he hasn't taken advantage. And Heineke's clearly a, a competent starter when he has, you know, multiple seasons as a starter with, with Washington. So uh, they they could be in that division dangerous going forward. I mean, they're leading the division right now at four and four. Right. At four and four. Like they, they could be that eight, you know, eight win, nine win team that gets into the playoffs. So, yeah. Boy, boy, who they're- could have foreseen this? Hmm. Who could have foreseen this? Are you really bragging about? Don't the brag season? about. The, yeah, <laughs> the rest of their season is uh, they play the Saints twice, the Panthers, and the Bucks, and so I think they they can start winning those games. Uh, they really have a good shot to to win the division, and outside of those games, they played like uh, let's see, the Bears. Uh, the Colts, the Vikings, the Cardinals, the Vikings and the Cardinals. Yeah. Oh my so goodness. Those are also all, I think, winnable games. I don't know if they win those games. I, yeah. But th- they are games that they can compete in. Like they're not outmatched uh, a ton in talent or, uh, um, you know, on the field. So like going into those games, I think you totally say like those are completely winnable games for this team, especially if they can get an, a passing game that complements Bijan's running game. And that will really, I think, open up an offense that not 2016 levels, but like a really powerful offense for, for the Falcons. Yeah. I will go so far as to say there is not a game the rest of the season that I think they should lose. I'll go that far looking at the games that we have here. Yeah, no, they will lose a handful of these, right, no given but they losses should not. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, no, yeah, there's no, there's no chiefs or Eagles on the schedule for mm-hmm. them. So they should win the division. We'll see how it goes for them and we'll see how Heineke does. I'm, I'm curious if Heineke doesn't play well, if they go right back to Ritter, but uh, we have to let those games play out. The last game we'll mention here, uh, the battle of the number one and number two overall picks, Texans versus Panthers, a low scoring affair here. Um, yeah, Panthers 15, Texans 13. This is probably the weakest performance that CJ Stroud's had so far in his career. Bryce Young is looking a little better than he was in the, at the start of the season. Panthers are still not great offensively, especially. But yeah, this one just wasn't very exciting. Stroud only threw for 140, no touchdowns, and it was just kind of ugly. All I want to say is that the Panthers need to win just a few more games. Yes. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, t- yes. Yeah, I, do, I do not want the Bears to get that number one pick, either with their record or the Panthers. So start mm-hmm. start playing better. Oh, one thing I did want to mention um, with with the, the Raiders um, – hiring and all that the their promotion of champ kelly um champ kelly was in the bears front office for quite a while and the bears are looking like a a very good bet to get one of the top picks in the nfl draft and uh i'm just saying if the the raiders need to make a trade uh do you want there's someone in the building that (laughs) no i I, i'm not saying that i'm saying if the raiders want to make a trade for picks or for a pick, mm. the they they have someone in the building that knows the the Bears front office quite well. So I'll just leave it at that. Side note: Every time anyone says Champ Kelly, it it sounds like Chip I think Kelly. Chip. Yeah, and I yep. just like <laughs> yep. just imagining that guy running the organization. So. And meanwhile, <laughs> I'm over here trying like desperately not to say Champ Bailey because Champ Bailey yeah, because of the nightmares <laughs> from Denver that I would always get. But yeah, yeah. Bryce Young also starting to come along a little bit is was my other takeaway from that game because uh, the receiving core actually mm-hmm. put up like 235 yards. Bryce still got sacked a bunch and, and all that still happened, but hey, they're starting to click, starting to click a little bit. Progress. Okay, so moving on uh, from there, we will go into the primetime pick'em, give y'all an update. Uh, we all went 3-0 this week. That's the update. The uh, other primetime game that we didn't mention was Sunday Night Football. Chargers pretty easily dispatched of the Bears with Tyson Bajan in there. Bobby asked in our chat, are we skipping Bears Chargers? I'm like, there's nothing to talk about. The game went exactly as it should have gone pretty much. And that was pretty much all there was to it. Um, so yeah, update on the season. We're still at Arcadio and Bobby tied with seven missed picks. Jana with eight and me with nine. So I'm still lagging behind. We'll see if this uh, week's picks get me ahead at all. But more on that in just a little bit. So moving on from there to fantasy updates. How did our teams do? Who wants to start here? I lost. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm like, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I, I lost the one that matters for our pod. I, I won my other two, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, I it, it came down essentially to a straight up battle between Jamison Williams and Jameer Gibbs, and Jamison Williams is a bust. So that's how that went. <laughs> Not ready to say bust, but I am worried about that, especially with what we did with the trade, which I'll get into, but. Um, yeah, this was the Bobby versus Arcadia week, uh, Lions Raiders, and then we faced each other in fantasy came down to just that. I was not too worried going into it. Honestly, you, you said that you were starting Jameson Williams and I just celebrated <laughs> like early, uh, yeah. in the week. I was like, okay, Damn I get it. what you're doing. That's imagine, a hater move. Imagine, That's not, a hater believing, move. I imagine get. not believing in your own player that much. Wow. Well, it's, it's my own player against my own player. Uh, and I believe in Gibbs with when he's the starting running back over Jameson Williams, who is dropping passes and not running the right routes. Let's see. There's three teams at six and two. I think Colin is technically so first. Colin's in the yeah. Colin's in first. Then now Arcadio. Colin's and me. first on points. Yeah, but we're us three are six and two. So 
Not too bad. My mm-hmm. team's looking a lot better than it did earlier in the year. I'll, I'll get some guys back mm-hmm. from injury the next couple of weeks. I'm playing Kyle this week. I'll be all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting an L this week uh, because I have lots of buys and I'm facing Colin who doesn't have as nearly as many. So we'll see how that goes. But um, still overall, like how I'm how I'm playing right now. Took an L. <laughs> uh, took an L in both leagues. Uh, <laughs> I'm four and four, I think. And it's been that kind of season up and down, uh, you know, having some trouble fielding r- running backs, uh, especially uh, outside of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and also... We, I don't think we mentioned this, but Der- Derek Carr is not great. Not great, folks. Um, Derek Carr, Dennis Allen, not great. And Chris Olave not getting touches. Yeah, your running back situation, not great. Huh? <sighs> yeah. And McCaffrey's on by this Just week. looking at this lineup here. Yeah. This Oof. week's going to be a rough one. He's going to be starting Kenneth Gainwell and Deontay Foreman this week. Deontay Foreman could go off for another 30-point game. That's, that's what we believe in around here, all right? He certainly could. Uh, yeah, but you are still in the playoffs here, the sixth seed right now at four and four. I uh, I am not in the playoff picture right at the moment, folks. I took a fat L this week. I lost to Kevin. It was fairly close, um, depending on the result of Monday Night Football. I needed about 32 points between uh, Josh Jacobs and Jacoby Myers, and I thought, you know, Jacoby's been pretty good. If Josh gets his touches and he gets a touchdown, then I think I'm in good shape. Uh, the Josh Jacobs part happened. Uh, Jacoby Myers had his quietest game of the season, as Jimmy had a terrible game, as we alluded to earlier. Uh, only one catch for 19 yards. So uh, between Josh's 17 and Jacoby's three, I did not get to the 33 points that I needed. I also had my third quarterback in as many weeks. I started Jordan Love because Brock Purdy was, uh, he got cleared for by, from from concussion protocol toward the end of the week, but I was, still wasn't confident in that. Purdy outscored him by a couple. It wouldn't have been enough for me to win. What killed me was that uh, I traded Calvin Ridley for DK Metcalf, and DK didn't score that much less than Ridley, but... If I tinker with my lineup a little bit, I could have won if I had really in for one of my other receivers. So I have that sort of regret happening. It was not a not a great week. I took the L. I'm down to three and five. The comeback is on hold for the time being. And I will be starting my fourth quarterback in as many weeks. I'm riding with Sam Howell this week. And uh, I'm against Cody, who's near the bottom of the league. But his lineup is looking much better than my lineup this week. And he has Mahomes in what could potentially be a shootout against the Dolphins. So we will see how that goes. But I'm not that confident right now. I am much more confident in my work league where I am at the top of the league at six and two. Uh, everything's looking good for me. And the two losses I've had were both very close. So that team is in good shape. And I'm that's probably the most balanced team that I've pretty much ever had in fantasy. So happy about that. I, I at least have that to, to fall back on if this league doesn't go my way, which every week it looks like it's not going to go my way. But at least AJ Brown's good. I have that to I have that for me. And Dalton Kincaid was OK for me in the first game that I had him with. But I don't expect that to continue, unfortunately. So that's how fantasy's going for us. Three of us are in the playoffs right now if the season ended today. Hopefully I can sneak in there by the end of the season, but we just have to see how it goes. So that's fantasy. Moving on finally to second down. News recap. The biggest story we mentioned was all the stuff happening with the Raiders, as we already discussed. What we also uh, mentioned was that Tuesday Halloween was the trade deadline. And we alluded to the fact that the commanders were sellers at the deadline, traded away multiple defensive linemen. So the first one they traded was Montez Sweat to the Bears for a 2024 second rounder. And today he indicated he doesn't want to sign an extension with the Bears already. So they, they basically sounded like they're renting him for the rest of the season and they gave up a second rounder for it for next year. Hmm. Uh, Arcadio, you're saying hmm over there. What are you thinking, buddy? Um, just a... Uh... Just mentioning how how you were talking about that Montez Sweat already said he didn't want to sign an extension with the Bears. Um, Doesn't seem very uh, efficient to trade away a premium day two pick 
for a half season rental in a season that you are not expected to contend. I'm, I'll just say that. I think I know like why they are doing it and they think they're going to resign him. But my, my like tinfoil hat theory on this is that they overpaid so that the lions wouldn't get him. It's a hater move right there. There were some like kind of whispers and hints that, Oh, we were looking to make kind of a bigger splash than we did at the trade deadline. Um, and one of the big things that people were talking about was like sweat or chase young or some type of defensive line help. And if the lions offered their second round pick and the bears also offered theirs, well, the bears second round pick is going to be way higher. So it's like, well, no one's really going to pay a first rounder for this guy. So they're, they're automatically going to get him. So that's, that's my tinfoil hat theory. Real theory is I think that they, we're able to talk to his agent and have a general idea that they can resign him. But if they don't, it will be hilarious. Yeah. This is the second season in a row where they've traded at the trade deadline, their second round pick. A second. Yeah. Uh, because they traded for Claypool. <laughs> they traded for Chase Claypool. <laughs> Chase Claypool, who currently is on the practice squad for the Dolphins and I don't think has a catch yet. Yeah. He's not good. That's uh, long story short, he's not good. Sweat is a better player, but well, if they don't resign him, that'll just be just another, you know, Bears mismanagement, which is, you know, yep. laughable and, and funny for me. Uh, so elsewhere on the commander's defensive line, uh, they have traded for a third round pick. They've traded Chase Young to, of all teams, the San Francisco 49ers, who have the deepest defensive line I've ever seen in my entire goddamn life. There were like eight names on that defensive line that I'm like, oh, these guys could be starters anywhere else. Yeah, uh, so they somehow gave up less for Chase Young than the Bears were able to for Montez Sweat. I know Chase Young has been going through injuries the last couple of years. He had that monster, monster rookie year, but this was still crazy to me that they got him for a third rounder. You want to know the best part about this whole uh, getting Chase Young for a third rounder? They traded You're gonna tell a me. comp pick for this third rounder, a comp pick they got because <laughs> uh, I believe that the way it works is if you're if you have a person on your staff that's a minority and they get signed by another team uh, mm-hmm. for in a management position, then you get a compensation pick in the third round. You also get compensation yeah. picks in the third round if your team, uh, if a player on your team leaves and signs a contract over X amount of size, um, like some, like some reaches meets some criteria basically. And Chase Young is all but guaranteed to meet this criteria. So the Niners have signed him for half a million dollars uh, for the rest of the season because the uh, commander's still paying the rest of his salary. They traded a pick, a comp pick, so it's not even one of their originally allotted seven picks. And the odds are that he either re-signs with the Niners, which is great, or he walks and he probably gets the Niners a comp pick. So people are calling it 40 chess. I think this is like pretty basic math if you're a GM. Uh but yeah. uh, it is cool that we the Niners picked up Chase Young. I think I alluded to it when I was recapping the game, but it will hopefully bring some much-needed pass rush help. Um, there's a lot of talk about Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator, uh, so hopefully um, Steve Wilkes can scheme up some better defensive schemes for them to win more. Uh, and and uh, after losing um, Samson Ebukam and Charles Menehu and some other players that were really good on the defensive line, um, opposite bosa they now have another all-star opposite bosa i would say um and uh i'm excited uh and they got two weeks to integrate him we'll see how he does hopefully he can stay healthy and be good throughout the rest of the season and then if he stays he stays if he walks i think we got him for 
a solid deal. Much better than the Bears deal. I was going to say, imagine back in 2019 saying that Chase Young and Nick Bosa, who were both on the same defensive line at Ohio State, and both went number two overall in back-to-back drafts, would be on the same team four years later. Yeah, that's wild. And Nick questioning, like, kind of why Sweat, uh, you know, went for a second rounder and, and and Young went for a third. A lot of it is just, like, production and injury history at this point. Um because mm-hmm. Chase Young had like his rookie season was good. He was injured for a lot after that uh, and wasn't like he wasn't bad, but he wasn't as productive as that like number two overall pick and dominant type players is supposed to be after that. And yeah. then he's having a good year so far this year. Uh, but Sweat has been pretty consistently productive, not just with sacks, but in the run game um, and just tackles for loss and all that kind of his whole career. So like they kind of went in opposite directions from their draft from where they were drafted, but they're both still pretty mm-hmm. good players. So good pickup for the Niners. I wish the lions did something similar, uh, uh, you know, but uh, we, we got at least something. <laughs> you did. We'll get to that yeah. in just a second here. Um, so uh, another trade that happened Cardinals, they announced a day or two prior that they were benching Josh Dobbs and putting the rookie Clayton tune in. Maybe Kyler's going to be back soon. They haven't committed one way or another quite yet as far as that goes, but Josh Dobbs, who's been there this whole year, did get traded to the Vikings for a late-round pick swap. As we'll mention in the injury report, the Vikings suddenly had a need for a quarterback. And of all the options, I heard um, Florio, I think, on the Sunday night pregame, mention all the options the Vikings could have had, including the rookie Jaron Hall, who they're going to be starting this week, and I think Colt McCoy, because he's worked with O'Connell before, I believe. Uh, those were like the highlight of the highlight options here. I don't know if they're going to make a playoff push at this point in the season, but of all the options, Josh Dobbs seems the most competent. He's actually been decent this season, at least in terms of production. So we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, they're not tanking, tanking this season, but it's pretty clear that without Kirk Cousins, spoiler alert, uh, this is probably not going to be a great rest of the year for them. Yeah, the NFC North uh, is kind of, you know, I, I don't think we necessarily needed the help, but uh, this helps. <laughs> It does. The, Lions, but the only the only team that was even remotely making a push was the Vikings yeah. the last couple of weeks, and and Kirk was playing really yeah. well, like he was having one of his best seasons. So it's you know for him that that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, Dobbs is is all right. He's he can he's all right. He uh, you know is not completely incompetent, and he can run. So they might add a little bit of a wrinkle like of that to their game. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine in a couple weeks he he gets the start, but he just has to have a little bit of time with the playbook before he gets there. So we'll we'll keep an eye on how the Vikings are doing here in a couple weeks' time. Bobby did mention a minute ago that the that the Lions sure did something at the deadline. They acquired Donovan Peoples Jones, wide receiver from the Browns, who has a whopping eight catches for ninety seven yards this season. Yeah, but it, to be honest, I actually quite like this. For like, do I wish we made a bigger splash as well as this? Yeah, but I was kind of hoping we did address the receiver room. Uh, we lost Marvin Jones for the year um, with, you know, the personal issue. And just we were kind of thin um, at that at that spot. J-Mo clearly isn't where the coaching staff would want him to be at this point, and I hope he turns it around. But we needed someone that was more reliable to get probably a few more snaps in there. And DPJ, like, I liked him at Michigan. He had a breakout year last year. He had, like, 61 catches for 850 yards, something like that. Um, and the Browns offense this year is just not great downfield in the passing game. And he mm-hmm. was kind of being phased out. So he was like, okay, for apparently for a few weeks, he's been asking for a trade. Um, it's a 2025 six round picks. So we basically gave up nothing for the most part for him. 
uh, and he fills yeah. fills a need in the room. Um, I like him as a as a downfield threat that is kind of versatile. We can kind of if if there's an injury, he can move into pretty much any wide receiver position. Um, he's got decent size, decent speed. Like you know, he's gonna help. It's not like he, this is just just a depth piece. He's gonna be used and might be a little bit more of a threat in the red zone than we have. So not not bad. I like it. I wish we did one other thing, but I, I do like this trade. I, I like DPJ. I have mm-hmm. since he was at Michigan, like I said. So he's he's a good professional receiver that's going to help the team. Elsewhere, we have the Packers trading cornerback Russell Douglas to Buffalo for a 20, 2024 fifth rounder and third round pick. Bills, just plain and simple, had injuries in the secondary they needed to shore up. So this is what they did in the meantime to get themselves through the rest of the season. Uh, this just seems like fulfilling a need, and the Packers are trying to get some uh, some draft stock. It seems pretty cut and dry, this one. Just a quick correction. The Packers traded Russell Douglas and a 2024 fifth-round pick for a oh, 2024 third-round pick. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I misread that. So uh, The Giants, I like the note here that says this feels like a million years ago. It really does. Giants traded uh, defensive lineman Leonard Williams to the Seahawks for a 2024 second-rounder and a 2025 third-rounder couple high draft picks there. Uh, Seahawks just getting some help on the defensive line. This was actually, at the time, this felt like the biggest trade that had happened at the deadline. I think it actually was, to be honest. Like it's all getting, in all, I think it was. It's getting outshadowed. It's, it's getting overshadowed now because of the Chase Young and Montez Sweat trades. But mm-hmm. um, Leonard Williams is, I think, the best player to be moved um, and by a good amount. Uh, he's He's really, really good. He's a good like he's a very really really good in the run game uh which is what seattle has struggled with so i think this was a big move by them uh addressing a, a big need um they're they're trying to make a push here now that they're they're ahead of the niners so let's see what they do but they definitely you know second and a third rounder is a lot to give up at the deadline so hopefully it, it works out for them it should he's a good player so again it happened too early it's getting overshadowed but i think it's a really big move very much the the new Michael Bennett for the Seahawks, who was very very much like a centerpiece of that yeah of that like dominant defense back in the the early to mid twenty tens. Everything else I've, that we have here in the news, I've kind of alluded to already. Heineke's going to start for the Falcons this week against the Vikings. Vikings in turn have rookie quarterback Jaron Hall starting against the Falcons. Cardinals are going to start uh, rookie Clayton Tune at quarterback if Kyler isn't activated. I've Mostly still been hearing he's probably not going to be this week, but it seems like it's getting closer if it's going to happen. Um, haven't heard definitively one way or another yet on that, but Clayton Toon seems to be the play for them this week against the Browns. Uh, last story, uh, Jane have alluded to this a little bit earlier. Leonard Fournette finally has a team, kind of, sort of. He is on the Bills practice squad now. The rushing game has always kind of been their weak spot in this era of the team. It's been better this year with James Cook and Latavius Murray. We'll see if he gets any meaningful snaps. I don't really expect that, but... I could be surprised. I, I think it's one of those things where he he'll probably get some snaps later on in the season when inevitably there's more injuries or they find some special package for him close to the goal line, something like that. I think it'll be very interesting to see how the Seattle trade works out. I think that division, as it has many times in the last 15 years, come is going to come down to San Francisco versus Seattle uh, in their two games, and those games are always kind of crazy. And this time it's on Thanksgiving which is just traumatic for me. So uh, I'm not really not looking forward to it. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's going to be a great game. I want to say it's Packers, Lions, and Cowboys, Giants for the other games yeah. that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- the only really good-looking game to me is, is is that one. So we have that to look forward to on Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. 
Okay, third downtime, injury roundup. The big one we mentioned, Kirk Cousins is going to be out for the rest of the season. He tore his Achilles. That's, sad Kirko. Yeah, sad Kirko. That seemed pretty apparent pretty much immediately that it was probably his Achilles, and that was confirmed pretty quickly. MRI confirmed it officially the next day. So, yeah, sucks for Kirk, who's having a great year, as you mentioned. Sucks for the Vikings, who were turning their season around kind of sort of. They've put together a couple good wins here, and they got back to 500, I believe, for the time being. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, no Kirk and no Justin Jefferson, at least for a little while longer. Uh, so, their two biggest pieces are gone. We'll see how the rest of the season goes for them. But yeah, that's that just sucks. You don't want to see a guy miss the season like that. Yeah, and it'll be the biggest question now is whether he comes back next year. And we'll get into that. With the Vikings, yeah. Yeah, with the Vikings. Not not as a as a whole, but yeah, just with the Vikings, whether they, they sign him or not. And we can get into mm-hmm. that if there's any word or anything, rumors going on later in the season. Yeah, I did see a story right before we recorded that said Justin Jefferson wants him back. I'm like, I bet you do. You get insane production mm-hmm. from him. Yeah, elsewhere, Matthew Stafford, day-to-day with a thumb injury. It's a UCL sprain. He's always got something going on. It's just the current thing happening with him. Yeah, um, yeah did, did did this happen in that Cowboys game? Yeah, he, he, been dealing yeah, with his, he um, followed through and hit a helmet. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he went out. I remember that. He now. went out yeah. in that game, I believe. Yeah, he did. I, didn't he try or do the comeback in late, late in the game? I, I don't. I, I feel like I heard someone say that, but I didn't see the end of that game. The, again as someone who watches red zone all day that game was such a blowout that we weren't catching much of it pretty yeah, much exactly. in the second half so yeah so i don't i honestly couldn't tell you if stafford can grip a ball at all he's gonna try to play he plays through he's gonna any play. injury it, so we saw it here for years and for a lot of time we didn't even know what he had and then later on it's like oh yeah he had a fracture in his back and he's playing with it for five games it's like oh awesome mm-hmm. you know uh another quarterback who got hurt another guy i feel like gets hurt every week in some way shape or form kenny pickett um, has a rib injury. It looks like he's going to start as a recording tomorrow night against mm-hmm. the Titans. So Kenny Pickett versus Will Levis seems to be the matchup. Uh, two young quarterbacks. Like I said, Pickett feels like he, he gets taken out of a game at least briefly every week or two. And we get a very brief glimpse of Mitch Trubisky, who I remember exists only when Kenny Pickett gets hurt. So yeah, he looks like he's going to be good to go for the Titans, but might have some nagging rib injuries for a little while. On the topic of rib, rib injuries, that was what happened to Tyrod Taylor. He's going to be week to week. He was taken to the hospital for observation. Uh, Daniel Jones did get cleared for contact this week. It is looking like he's coming back uh, for this Sunday to play against the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> the subheading here says, timing this announcement, very much coincidence. Nothing to see here. How are you? Situation normal. How are you? Situation normal. How are you? Yeah. Who could have put that there? Yeah. Who's I mean, it def- I, just as a, a side comment to all of that, uh, I mean, I, the concussion protocol thing, I feel like is being skirted uh, too often now. Um, yeah, cleared, cleared for contact there. Uh, Purdy somehow comes back and then uh, we didn't mention during the game, but he got the Purdy come back. I yeah, couldn't believe he came, he that, came back after on a short week, on a short week and got slammed into the ground with his head back of his head hitting it and didn't come out of the game. Like, you know, I think mm-hmm. we're, we're after the Tua situation where it was like overly careful for a little while, I think we're kind of dipping back down into that other direction of like teams are kind of, we need our quarterback. So you know, he's going to play type thing. So something to keep an eye on. With Daniel Jones, I knew it was a concussion, but he also had a neck injury that I thought was what was keeping yeah, him. Yeah, it was. I, I, I believe yeah. it was the neck that yeah, yeah, yeah. was the big thing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But regardless, just some type of an injury that, a neck injury is still a dangerous injury that like you don't really want to mess sure. with. So they're like, well, you know, you're, you're cleared enough at this point. Yeah. Uh, at the Falcons, Drake London, uh, his status is up in the air with a groin injury. 
We'll see how that goes. Uh, maybe that gets Bijan more touches if Drake London doesn't get a ton of snaps, which is only good news for Arcadio if that's the case. I think that just means uh, more passes for Johnny Smith. For Johnny Smith, yes, of, course, of all people. Of and Johnny Smith is going to be throwing passes yeah, to the third string I mean. tight end in the red zone once again. Yep. Um, uh, Patriots wide receiver Kendrick Bourne. I picked him up Sunday morning from a fantasy team uh, this past Sunday morning, oh, and he tore his ACL later that day. <laughs> he's not, he's been having a decent year, probably the like best season that a Patriots offensive player has been having. Um, and he tore his ACL and he's out for the rest of the year. So that's incredibly unfortunate for him and for my work league fantasy team, who I had him for all but one day, basically. So very unfortunate. Uh, hopefully he can come back strong and healthy next season. Uh, Darren Waller has a hamstring injury. He left Sunday's game, as uh, I think Arcadia mentioned, had the one catch for four yards and still tied for the team lead. Waller says it's a week-to-week injury. Probably going to miss his Raiders revenge game this week, but uh, we'll see how it goes for him. Not much to revenge against at this point, though, is there? I know. Uh, yeah, so that's the injury roundup. It's been a bad week for injuries, especially for quarterbacks. I felt like last week was kind of the same. Uh, we're, we're through all the news now, finally done with everything week eight related. Time to preview next week on fourth down. Two of our teams are on buys. Lions and Niners are on by. Uh, Broncos, Jags are the other teams in the league that are also on by. Uh, the rest of our teams, the Chiefs, as I mentioned, are playing in Germany against the Dolphins on Sunday morning here in the States. Chiefs are two and a half point favorites, still over under 51. I feel like this game is going to let people down. I don't think it's going to be quite the shootout people want it to be. That's my early prediction. Maybe like a little sluggish because of the because mm-hmm. the, the, the well, the there's travel. that. Also, Chiefs defense is pretty. See, here's what I think: Chiefs defense will actually have a good performance, but Tyreek Hill will be insane. That's my official prediction for how this game goes. I mean, Tyreek's going to be motivated for sure, but yeah, yeah I, th- I, I think kind of like you said, it's not going to be a shootout. Uh, like, I expect a good game, but. Probably in the twenties for both teams is what I'm kind of expecting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah, that's kind of what I'm. Thinking. I'm getting Dolphins blowout vibes. I you feel think? like the Dolphins are gonna come out and completely like wreck the Chiefs after the Chiefs like disappointing game last week. On paper, it seems like it should be a decent game, maybe more defensive, like you said, because the, the Chiefs defense has been really good. But I don't know. I I, I feel like Dolphins are gonna gonna make a little statement here. Wouldn't surprise me. I hope the Chiefs are motivated considering the game that they just had. But yeah, with the weapons the Dolphins have, um, Chiefs secondary uh, up actually up until this game against the Broncos, that was actually one of their weaknesses was Snead, who's been fantastic all year against the top receivers in the league. Um, Chiefs secondary is going to have their work cut out for them here. That's, I think, going to be the big test of where everything happens. Obviously, against the Dolphins, that's pretty much what it's going to be every week. But yeah, this is going to be the big test for the Chiefs. We'll see if their offense can put something together. If they get blown out, I'm not going to be surprised. But any outcome in this game wouldn't really surprise me. I think, uh, you know, Dolphins have struggled a little bit more against the better teams in the league this season. So if the Chiefs kind of come out and show them up, I'm not going to be surprised by that either. So anything could happen here and it wouldn't shock me. As for the Raiders, the new look Raiders now, three point favorites uh, against the Giants who have Daniel Jones back. It looks like. Can we like... talk about this for a second? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so as we've discussed, you know, throughout this episode, the the Raiders have fired literally every major position in their coaching staff and on the field. And yet, and yet you're still favored. They are still favored by three points in this game. The over under even went up a couple days ago. (laughs) They're, they're favored against a team who gets their $40 million uh, a year quarterback back this week. That probably decreased the over under. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, if it was Tommy DeVito, then well, then, then maybe the, it should probably go up from there. But yeah, all yeah, those it, factors. It did go up a point from a couple oh, days ago. Yeah. Mm. Allegiant that, that is, is yeah. going to be Wild. crazy. They Raiders fans have been calling for Josh McDaniel's head for so long. This game is going to go insane at Allegiant. Okay, your thoughts on this game? I uh, it's a gimme game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes okay to go ahead as, as woeful as the the raiders have been on offense like i mentioned they're 30th in points per game last in points per game with a whopping 11.9 god is the new york giants That's gross <laughs> yeah and yes they are getting daniel jones back but they'll be without darren waller yeah. who's probably their best pass catcher i wouldn't be surprised if the raiders scored like 10 points in this game and they lose by like 30 mm-hmm. but i also wouldn't be surprised if they put up their best offensive performance of the season with without the the josh mcdaniels weight around their neck so uh it, it could definitely go either way like i i i have absolutely no clue what to make of this game because i haven't seen anything from this new regime so mm-hmm. i think the latter is actually more likely i think Devonte goes absolutely in just goes off um and jacoby myers go off too please i mean maybe please. but i think that with his frustrations and everything, they're going to, okay, this is the game plan. We're going to get our best player the ball. Uh, and Aiden O'Connell yeah, is going to be the number one receiver. Uh, and it's going to be either Devante or check downs to Jacobs. And that's going to be like the two passes he throws in the game. Yeah, well, think- the one game that Aiden O'Connell did start the season against the Chargers, uh, Jacobs had like 10 yeah. targets and yep. Devante had exactly. like 13. So, so yep, there that, you go. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, that's, what, that's probably what we're going to get here. And that was without any time to pass the ball because mm-hmm. Khalil Mack was making his life hell. So as someone who has two Raiders in starting positions on my fantasy team, I'm actually kind of excited to see how this goes. I can't wait to be let down. Uh, other major games happening throughout the league. Seahawks at the Ravens over under 44. Ravens are six and a half point favorites here. That seems high. It, it was five and a half a couple of days ago in the line. Yeah, the, the Ravens mm-hmm. are the hot team right now after blowing out the, I know, the Lions but... and everything. Like they're they're the talk right now. It's like, ooh, are the Ravens the best team in the AFC? So, you know that no. they're the talk of the of the league kind of at the moment. Like they're the hot team. Um, six and a half, I think, is a lot. But that's a lot. Yeah, I, I I'm with you yeah. guys. I don't think it should be right. This high. I think this is closer to three and a half at the mo like that type of game. Like Ravens at home are going to be favored. Um, they're a good team, but Seahawks are. I mean, they're in first place. They're a damn good team. Like this, this could. I think. I think the Seahawks are going to win. I think straight they. Up. Yeah, they definitely could. Because Lamar, it depends on what Lamar shows up. For the most part, like if he yep. plays like he did against the Lions, it's going to be hard. You know, hard to beat him. But if he plays like he has for a lot of the first part of the year, and the offense is just kind of, they they were kicking field goals on almost all their scoring drives early on. So. Let's see. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. It should not be that high of a spread. We're in the honeymoon period with the Ravens right now. Before they fade down the stretch, I've seen this game before. That's that's where we're at right now. Okay, uh, Falcons hosting the Vikings. Falcons four and a half point favorites. They have an improvement at the quarterback position. The Vikings have a downgrade at the quarterback position. Vikings are still missing Jefferson as well. Uh, Jordan Addison's been going off, but the Falcons should win this game, as I alluded to earlier. If that'll say, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, it's it's going to be a, a stinky game, but. Yeah, the, the Falcons definitely have the edge here. Mm-hmm. Cowboys at Eagles, the, the big big NFC game of the week. Eagles three-point favorites over under 46. It's Eagles-Cowboys. They're both good teams. I think we're probably going to get something good here. Um, I'm really hoping we get a continuation for A.J. Brown of the hot streak that he's been on. That would be very nice. 
and uh, C.D. Lamb. We'll see if he has an average performance once again. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he had a pretty damn I, good, great did. game against no, the Rams, No, he, he did have a really good game. I One um, of the things about this game that I think is going to get exposed, and I hope it does, is Mike McCarthy being bad. Uh, Mike McCarthy is a coach I have no faith in. He's won a ring and all that, but but still, I have no faith in him. And so it will be very interesting to see how this game goes, especially if it is close towards the end. I've seen some historic collapses from the Cowboys uh, in close games. And last week they won another blowout by their defense, putting up a bunch of points. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this one goes. My thought is it's either going to be an Eagles close victory. And like you said, kind of a Mike McCarthy blown something in the game, whether it's clock management or just play calling at the end. Um, or the Cowboys are going to put up that defensive type performance and, and not maybe not blow out, but a, a multiple score win for the Cowboys. Like I, I don't really, for some reason, I'm just not picturing just, just based on just gut alone. I don't picture the Eagles blowing out the Cowboys. Um, but in any close game, I trust the Eagles way more, but the Cowboys always have that opportunity to blow out a team with their defense, just putting up points themselves. So it's kind of where I'm at, where I'm at. The Arcadia rules, I've called it. When in doubt, go with a better coach team. And that's the one that's not coached by Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. That's my take here. Yeah. So moving on to primetime, we got to pick them. You know, this Thursday night game, we, we joked about it last week before uh, like before we went off the air. I was like, hey, guys, look at what that Thursday night football game is. And we all recoiled at it. It's not seeming as bad to me as it did because Will Levis mm-hmm. actually had a good performance. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping something might actually happen in this game. It is the Titans going into Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Steelers are three-point favorites. They took an L this week, this past week. But they're still kind of a good team somehow because it's the Steelers and it's Mike Tomlin. This is going to be the test for Will Levis. Can 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 he do that against a top defense in the league and against TJ Watt in his face the whole game? Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers here, but uh, it, it can still very well be stinky. My, Mike Tomlin makes this so hard to pick. You feel like they always should lose. And, and yet. yet they are one of the better teams in the league this season. It's, it's crazy. Um, you know what? I will ride the Mayo Man train and uh and i'll i'll have faith that for once for once the uh the uh, steelers won't pull this one through i was like yeah. will levis just makes this such a wild card i know i don't know what to expect enough of what to expect from him yet mm-hmm. like will they will they see stuff on tape the steelers enough to where like they force him into some bad decisions like that's kind of where i'm leaning Again, he could just throw it to DeAndre Hopkins like 12 times for like two touchdowns, probably win the game. I, I'm I'm going to stick with the Steelers again. Okay. Like the, the Arcadio rules, yes. when in doubt, pick coach. the better coach. Yeah, I, I've gone back and forth. Basically, I'm saying here, this is going to be a close game and it could go either way. It's kind of a coin flip and that's a perfect game to go to try to pick up something on Arcadio here, so... I had Titans down. I'm going to stick with Titans. Um, I think Will Levis can at least get that offense moving a little better, uh, kind of like he did last week. I don't think he puts up crazy numbers, but I'm going to go with the Titans in a in a close game. All right, so we're split down the middle on that one. I feel like this is about to happen again. Sunday night football. <laughs> Finally, some good fucking football. Bills at Bengals. Bengals two-point favorites. Over under 49 and a half. Uh, they obviously didn't play the full game in Cincinnati last year. They are back in Cincinnati for this one. When they went to Buffalo in the playoffs, the Bengals destroyed them. That's where we're at right now. 
Uh, these two teams have been up and down this season. Bengals are trending upward. Bills are still overall trending upward. This one's close. I think the, the two-point spread is about what I'm thinking in my head here. I'm going to go with the Bengals here, but it's close. I don't have a good reason for you as to why I'm going for the Bengals. It's just my gut. Give me Cincinnati only because I fear the the Josh Allen Bozo gene will strike at an unlikely time. And uh, it's been dormant too much. Yeah, we haven't seen it recently. They're kind of cooking. Uh, they kind of had a, a bad one in in London, but that's London. And uh, I hope this this is one of those. Like what I want from this game is a Chiefs. Uh, Rams 50, 54-51 game. That's what I want. You're not getting um, that. I know I'm not getting that, but uh, but I'll take I'll take yeah. Joe Burr. I almost wish that both of you didn't also pick the Bengals because that's who I have down. Um, hey. I'm gonna stick with it. I think just Burrow looking like he did last week. Uh, I I trust that they're gonna put together like a a good game plan and and have a another good offensive performance. And the Bills, you know. As good as they have played this year, they do have those those stinker games, and it can pop up, and we'll, and they're on the road. So, I don't know. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. It should hopefully, like you said, it be a good game. I'll take that shootout any day of the week, but I, I don't think that's gonna happen. But yeah, let, let's go with Cincinnati. Let's ride ride Joe Burrow here. Yeah, uh, Beng- Bengals have won what three in a row now. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of momentum. They're very healthy. Joe Burrow looks like the Joe Burrow that we expect him to look like, and the Bills are just too inconsistent. I, I, I'm going to take the Bengals. Wow. Okay. We are not that's split a, down that, the middle on that That's a weird one. one that we're all on the same page, which means we're going to go over yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. We ride together. We die together. That's that's what I'm learning here. So Monday Night Football. Why? Not the stinkiest game I've ever seen, but <sighs> doesn't sound fun. Chargers at Jets. Jets three and a half point favorites. Uh, over under 40 and a half is generous on this one. That's what I think. Yeah. Chargers should win this game, uh, you know, all things considered. But the Jets have been making every team this year, except the Cowboys, basically play a Jets game. And the last couple of games, they've come out on top late in the game against a really good team, in, including the Eagles there. So the Arcadia rule might go with, I might go with the Arcadia rule again here. I think I'm actually going to go with the Jets to keep this game close defensively and count on some Chargers mistakes down the stretch. I'm going to go with the Jets. I, I'm, there's no way I am going to be confident enough in that Jets team to actually pick them. I think they could win this game. I just can't put it in me to to uh, to pick this team to actually win and perform on offense enough to win the game. Like against the Giants, that that was that was brutal, and they got so lucky. And the Giants are awful. So do I think they keep yeah. it close? I do. I think that the defense is going to keep it somewhat close and low scoring, but I trust that there's way a way better chance that Herbert can get a little bit more offense going and score a touchdown or two. And then the jets may not even score one in this game. So um, I'll, I'll go with the chargers. The chargers cooked last, last uh, time uh, on prime time uh, to the point where we didn't even talk about the game. Admittedly, it was against a terrible opponent. I feel good about the chargers in this one as much as that's a, that's a famous last words if I've ever heard one, but uh, famous last words there, but, but uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Herbert and uh, and a and a team with a competent quarterback. The, the Jets are like playing very scrappy, crappy football. Oh yes, it's it's going to come down to Sauce Gardner versus Keenan Allen. I feel like because mm-hmm. of late, it seemed like if you can kind of take away Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert hasn't really had that big second option to go to. Like 
he's been he's been getting it to his tight ends like the last game against the bears like he he was able to get to the tight end and um uh, Eckler had a pretty good game too I think the Jets have a much better defense than the Bears. It's a home game for the Jets. I'll take the Jets. I, hey, I, let's I go, really buddy. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not confident at all. All right, folks. Yeah. It, we got a easy. double split here, and it's split the same way each time. So this mm. this will be a very interesting recap next week on, on how oh, this yeah. all shook out. Um, there are also some more entertaining uh, or not entertaining games. Uh, coming up in the in the next set of primetime games. Actually, I think the next set of primetime games might be the three worst primetime games that we've had to pick in our time picking primetime games. God. Um, well, we'll save that for I'm next week. We'll it. save that for next week. Okay, so that's it for primetime. They'll be ac- we actually have some interesting picks for the first time in a while. I feel like so. Looking forward to that. The games themselves, we'll see. Sunday night football should be fun. Third, the other two, I don't know about, but. Yeah, that is how week nine is looking. We uh we covered a lot of ground that episode, boys. A lot of shit happened in week eight. A lot of eventful stuff. Uh, uh, one of our teams is looking up. Well, actually, two of our teams are looking up. The other two have some work to do right now. But yeah, very eventful week. Should be another fun week. We got some Sunday morning football. Hopefully, the Chiefs give us a uh, a fun European game, which those don't happen very often. So fingers crossed for that one, and fingers crossed for another fun week nine. We have any other uh, thoughts and opinions about NFL before we head out? Uh yeah, uh Sporting Kansas City uh just that's not the just NFL. had a really monster game. Uh that's that's it. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, so brief brief soccer aside, uh last week the uh Sporting KC San Jose Quakes uh play in game was a hell of a tense game. Geneva and I were watching it. Yeah. Uh no goals, went to penalty kicks, and Tim Milia is uh, the god of penalties in the MLS, and he showed it again here. Uh, Sporting won the play-in. They became the eight seed, went on to play St. Louis City in the best of three series in the first round of the playoffs, went into St. Louis after getting blown out both those games this year, and they blew St. Louis out. So Sporting has to win just one of their next two games against them to move on in the playoffs and to beat who, even in their first season as a team, is already their biggest opponent. So they're still alive in the playoffs after their terrible start to the year. I'm excited. We uh, can hopefully clinch this series at home and then move on from there. So I'm excited. We will see how it goes. I can't wait to be let down. Texas Rangers are three out, or six yeah. outs away from being World Series still champions. One nothing? Still one nothing, but they have the bases loaded with two mm, outs. Okay. Oh, they can they can clinch it tonight. Yep. Yep. They're up three. They they're can up, clinch it. Up three. Three one. Sorry. Three, three, two, one, yeah. Yeah, three I one. thought this was game four, not game five. I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought this was game four. No, they, uh, <laughs> Ignore me. Yeah, they got riggedy wrecked in, mm-hmm. in the last game. Deep backs. Right. Yeah, so we'll probably have a World Series champion. Well, I'm pretty sure we will by the next time we come back to you next week. That's how the other sports are doing. NBA has their in-season tournament happening sometime soon, as we discussed a little bit ago. That should be uh, some goofy, wacky fun. But we'll get to all that stuff in due time. Hopefully, uh, I come back with good news about the Chiefs and Sporting KC next week. But I think that will do it for us, folks. Thank you for joining us for another big, meaty, long episode of 4th and Infinity. We will see you next week to recap Week 9. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye, folks.